this working? No? Is it on? Hello? Can you, can you hear me? Yes. Great. Um, good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's great to see you all. Um, can you turn, if you've got a Bible, can you turn in it to uh, Romans chapter 8? As has been recently um, mentioned, um, I, Helen and I and, and our family, we're moving to southwest London, Putney, in, in Easter, at Easter time. Some of you who are visiting here won't know that, and it won't mean much to you. Um, I've been here since 1991, when I became a Christian, uh, so it's been quite a while. Helen been, and, and I together have been married here, uh, and we've been here for 13 years. So there's a big change going on in this church. And um, I was praying about, as I, I, I only have, do you know, f- three preachers left. Shame, yes. Three preachers left. That's, 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 that's not including the Christmas Saviour King one. I don't call that a preach. I call that more of a, a talk. It's a talk. Notice how Paul said, it's going to be short. It's, well, it will be short. And it will be, and it will be entertaining and funny and just an introduction to the Christian faith. Um, but I have three um, Sunday morning preachers left and I felt... I was praying, well, Max, Max, who led worship so wonderfully this morning, um, came up to me last Sunday saying that he had a theme for this morning, which was grace. And I don't know if you noticed coming out this morning, but, you know, grace calls me home, calls me friends, deals with my sin. You notice that theme coming out this morning. And as soon as Max said that to me, I knew that I felt in myself it would be great to speak on grace. What does grace mean? What is grace? And I've been studying this, well, I've been away all week on training, but in the t- moments I have had, I've been looking at Romans chapter 8. And what I intend to do is, over my last three preaches, I'm going to speak through the, the ch- um, Romans chapter 8. It's like a mountain, Romans chapter 8. It's a beautiful mountain. It's a big mountain. It's, as I prepared for this, um, it, it, was, it, I, it, was, it was a fearful thing to speak from God's Word, particularly on this chapter, because it's so amazing. It's like presenting the most, unveiling the most incredible painting, the most incredible scene. And I feel, to be honest, daunted by trying to show you what is in this chapter. And so I trust that as I do the best I can, the Holy Spirit will empower my words, empower what I say, will guide me, will help you to hear, and will help you to see something of the glory of God and the wonder of grace. You may be wondering this morning, again, I don't know all of you, some of you are visiting today, um, you don't don't even know what grace is. I was on the train the other day, and I was, as I was coming back from London from my training, and I, this, I was reading through Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, Romans chapter 8, and I had my book there, and I thought to myself, I wonder what people are thinking. I've got a book with these great big words saying Romans across it. And I guess you, kind of the, norm, the man in the street might think, hey, he's, he's interested in, I don't know, Italy and Rome and, and something like that. No, it's a book in the Bible called Romans. It's a letter written to a church that was in Rome if you don't know. And grace is a free gift that is given to the undeserving. It's not just a free gift given to the worthy, it's a free gift given to the undeserving. And we heard Becky earlier say, when we were powerless, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. You know, it's, it's, it's how far you've been brought from that reveals the love of God. Yeah? We've been brought so high. In the book of Rome, in, the, in chapter 8 of Romans, it talks about us even being adopted into his family. Not just forgiven. God could have done that, couldn't he? He could have just forgiven us. Jesus could have died on the cross to deal with our sin. And that would have been wonderful. And we would have praised him forever. But in the book of Romans and Galatians, if you know where that is, it talks about us actually being in his family. And in in Ephesians as well, adopted into his 
family. Isn't that amazing? If you're a Christian this morning, you're a child of God. You're not just a Christian, you're a child of God. Jesus taught you to pray by saying, Our Father in heaven. Isn't that amazing? I I want you to get this. I want it to be in you. That I want you to lift your head up. I want you to get confidence. I want you to be joyful. I want you to live this life fully. And you'll only know this if you know the truth and the truth will set you free. That you are loved by God, forgiven by God, adopted by God, accepted by God. You're going to be with God forever. Your Father in heaven forever. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Height, nor depth, demons, sickness, nothing. Nothing at all. I want you to get this. So I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, I want to pray for us today, Lord, that we would know this grace. Extended arms of love towards the undeserving. I pray, Lord, for your spirit. Holy Spirit, would you come amongst us today? Please, would you come, Holy Spirit? Thank you, you have been speaking this morning. Thank you for what we heard Alid speak about. Thank you for what we heard Becky speak about. Your love, your grace. Holy Spirit, would you come? Help me, help us all to hear your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So over the next three uh, times I preach, I'm going to be going through the book of Romans in a mini-series. The first one today, I'm going to be speaking on Accepted by God. I'm going to be talking about what we were that we were condemned, we were powerless. I'm going to be talking about what we are, which is justified. Justified. That in Jesus, all of the requirements of God, all of his law, all the requirements, all that he expects of us has has been fulfilled. Everything's been fulfilled. You are righteous, you are perfect, you are accepted as a gift. And that God is working for our good. I want you to leave today knowing if God did this, he's going to do everything else. If somebody gave you such an amazing gift that it just took your breath away, you can expect them to give you other lesser things. Can't you? You can expect them to give you lesser things. Everything else is lesser than Jesus. And he's given, it. he's given himself to you and the Father gave his Son for you. So that's today I'm going to be speaking on accepted by God. Next time I'm going to be speaking on transformed by God. That our lives are transformed. That we are made better. That we're made nicer. We're made more holy. That we're ma- our, our lives change. God, do- God loves us so much he won't leave us as we are. He is changing us. He is changing us. So I'm going to be talking about the old nature before we were Christians. I'm going to be talking about the new man, who you are, the new man, life. You have life now. You're a Christian. And I'm going to be talking about adoption. And finally, I'm going to be talking about glory with God, that we are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. But ultimately, where we're going is, we are going to be in glory forever. 100 billion, 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 billion to the power of infinity. You're going to be happy. You have no idea how good it's going to be. You've got a taster of it. You know those moments when you're standing there, maybe you felt that this morning, grace, cause me, friend, and, you, and your heart just went, oh, isn't this amazing? I felt that. That's a taster of something. It's not that you're just going to be singing songs, but life will have that quality of anthem, of glory and wonder. We're going to, be, we're going to see God face to face. We're going to know as we are fully known. It's, it's not, it, it, I can't give you the whole picture because that would be impossible, but that's where you're going, guys. So Romans chapter 8 takes us from the depths of being condemned, not condemned, 
transformed and then being with him forever. And this is a wonderful, wonderful picture. A great story. So this morning then, accepted by God. I'm going to just read to you the whole of Romans chapter 8 just to get us going. Okay? Now, I remember it was Ron Simpkins who said to me, I used to ask an awful lot of questions. I used to ask questions about everything. I don't understand that. I don't get that. And it's good to ask questions, but sometimes we can so wonder about the things we don't know that we miss the things we can know. I don't get that. I don't get this. And then we almost get preoccupied with the things which are clear and obvious. So as I read this, get the things that you do understand and maybe reserve the things, your questions for later. And I hope I'll deal with them as we go through this series then. Therefore then, Romans chapter 8, there is now, excuse me, I've got a bit of a cold, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. In other words, Jesus died for you. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus was condemned. His flesh was condemned for you. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. You've missed something out there. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive, alive, new life, because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death, because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, the Spirit you received... Hmm. The slides are all upside down and topsy-turvy. Do you see where we're up to, Richard? Twelve, you say. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation... It's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. By him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself 
testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed you share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits. And this is why there's this suffering in the world. The creation itself is messed up by sin. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole of creation has been groaning, excuse me, <coughs> as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. I want you to, link, I want you to see there that very important verse. He, he predestined you to be a Christian. And then he called you to be a Christian. Then he justified you and he will glorify you. I want you to see the link there, the promise that if you're a Christian, he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. He's going to do it. And that's the point of Romans chapter 8, is to give you assurance. No matter how weak you are, God is very strong. He's made a great promise. He's going to finish the work that he has begun. He is working and completing that work. What then should we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died, who was more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, some of you are in trouble, aren't you? Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger or sword? No. No. As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am convinced neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Okay? I don't, know, I don't know what happened to the slides there, but if you were going through that wondering, I get some of it, I don't get some of it, I want to encourage you, there's, there's lots of books you can read. This I found really helpful. If you like to do, well, we, if you want to do a Bible study, in other words, don't just read books, but actually have a book which actually encourages you to ask questions and to write things and to study, then this book by Douglas Moo called Encountering the Book of Romans is very good. It gives you lots of questions, it gives you objectives to each, um, to each um, chapter 
so that by the end of that you'll understand key words, words you didn't understand before, concepts you didn't understand before, and questions for you to answer, to really stretch your mind. That is a great book that will help you to understand more clearly the words that I've just been reading there. Romans chapter 8. And I'm focusing on verses 1 to 4. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. So my title today is Accepted by God. My first point is what we were. You'll notice that I've put up a traffic light. When we take bread and wine, Jesus took everyday, sim- everyday things and he made them into something that, would, uh, that people would do most days. So they would have wine and they would have bread. Most meals. That's why Jesus said, every time you have this, remember this, that my body was broken, that my flesh was broken. This is the new covenant. These symbols are a sign to you that God will never fail you. He was broken, he was punished, you will never be punished because he's, he's had it for you. You understand? He's taken everyday symbols. Jesus does that. He takes everyday things. Consider the lilies of the field. Consider the birds of the air. Consider the things around you. Consider farming. I mean, for us, I think an everyday symbol would be maybe a traffic light. I don't know about you, but it seems that there seems to be millions of the jolly things or roundabouts. It depends where you go. Some, some towns are really fond of roundabouts and some towns are really fond of traffic lights. Speed bumps is another one. Who, honestly, speed bumps? I tell you what, they were invented by uh, mechanics who wanted extra business. Um, so I want to say, firstly, what we were. And the traffic light is this. I, w- I would love it that every time you see a traffic light, stop at a traffic light, go through a traffic light, you will remember what I'm going to be... Not the, the message of, of uh, Romans chapter 8. And my first thing is this, that we were condemned. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation. Well, you don't say, therefore, there is now no condemnation, unless you could at one point have said, there is now condemnation. And the red light speaks of condemnation. It's a stop. It's, it's life as stop. It's negative. Condemnation is not a positive word, is it? To be condemned. I don't know if you've ever had a dream where you've been something, you've done something wrong within the dream. And it's like, I've done something wrong. And it's like, you know the dream? I don't know if you've seen Inception, that film. Have you seen that film, Inception? About dreams. And um, in your dream, and dreams can almost be more real than, than life. In, the, in that you experience something of the emotion sometimes of dreams, don't you? And I don't know, sometimes I've had dreams. When I was a school teacher, I used to regularly have the dream that I was standing in front of a class and they weren't listening to me. They were, teachers, right? Raise your hand if you've had that dream. <coughs> oh yeah, it's a, posi- it's, an, it's a regular dream. Particularly after the summer holidays when you're getting a bit nervous about returning to the classroom. And it's like kids are just throwing stuff around. Oh, please listen to me. I'm a teacher. I'm in authority. My, oh, my, oh, no. And you just feel... And it's true. Sometimes I've had dreams where I've been guilty. I've done something wrong. When I gave up smoking, I used to often have dreams about smoking. And that's true of a lot of people, right? They give up an addiction of some kind. And I used to go, oh no, I, I've smoked. I meant to give that up. Oh no, I've done it. I, yeah, I really didn't mean it. And then I wake up and go, oh phew. Oh, it's all okay. I didn't do it. Or something worse. And that's what we're meant to feel here, really. There is now no condemnation. It's like, ah, oh, it's been dealt with. My guilt, my shame, my sense of, I've let God down. 
I've let people down. I've, I've done things wrong in my heart, if not in real life. There is now, and those people who can really say that are those who really understand what it is to have felt condemned. The Christian knows they were condemned. The Christian doesn't think they're better than other people. The Christian thinks they're worse than other people. And so bad was our sin that it took the Son of God to die for us, to save us. It's a very humble thing to become a Christian because you have to admit that you've made mistakes. You have to admit that you've failed and you've done things wrong. People can be very nice, very respectable, until you start talking about faults and things they've done wrong and suddenly they can blow up on you. You ever known that? The Christian was condemned. The dictionary says it's blame, it's to be guilty, it's to be unfit, it's to be disapproved of, to have a reproach, damnation, doom, to be sentenced. And that's like the red light. Condemned before God. But the dictionary can help you so far. But really, to really understand condemnation, it's got everything to do with our relationship with God. To be condemned is to be condemned before a holy God. A pure God. I don't know if you've ever been in somebody's presence where they've intimidated you. Something about them, they're just... They can be, it can be a bad intimidation, like they're really good at something. You just think, well, I'm not going to bother. I'm not even going to try. Or maybe it can be a, a sense that this person is just so good. What they, the way they live, their family life, the way they conduct themselves, so, they seem so gentle that they can almost, you can feel in their presence a bit unworthy. Well, I want to multiply that by infinite and say before God, before God, we have all made mistakes. Do you know that? You haven't let me down. We've, we've all sinned before God. And it's God who needs to forgive us. And it's from God that we need forgiveness first in our lives. We were condemned. Our relationship with God was broken. And it needed dealing with. And I wanted to start with that because to say there, therefore there is now no condemnation means that you do have to say there was at one point condemnation. We were condemned. That is, to, to, to need to be saved means that there's a problem that needs dealing with. We need healing. We need someone to save us. And that's where Jesus comes in. Condemnation is to have a broken relationship with God, to be separated from God. And eternally, if, let, if that's not dealt with, we will be separate, separate from God forever. We will be judged justly for everything we've done. I wonder if to this morning, God might be recalling to you some of your shame. Maybe... Remember, you know where I'm going with this, some of you, right? We've got good news coming, okay? There's good news. But I wonder if this morning you know the things you've done wrong. I remember myself, I was talking to Helen about preparing this, and I was trying to think before I was a Christian about, did I have a sense of guilt before God? Did I know I was condemned? Well, i tell you what happened to me. I was, I, I, I was dating a girl, and I, I won't go into the, the, the story about it, but it, she was instrumental in me becoming a Christian, although she wasn't a Christian. It's funny, isn't it? But her parents were. But I remember, I mean, just, just, to, just to say that I'm going to you know, show you, I'm just human like you, that I, I, I used to lie to her. I used to think I was okay. I think most of you, I'm all right, I'm okay, I'm a pretty decent person. 
You may not have thought that of me looking from the outside, but inside I thought I was okay. I used to go out and get stoned with my friends. I used to spend, sit in a front room, you know, just getting stoned. It means taking drugs. Um, and I'd lie to her. I'd go round her house, and I'd say, oh, I've just been doing whatever, whatever. And I felt disgraceful. Inside, I felt... And this was just before I became a Christian. I began to realise that I wasn't as good as I thought I was. And I, I even cheated on her. I, I um, you know, she, she was my girlfriend, but I, but I, you know, saw another girl while seeing her. And I felt just, I felt dreadful. And that was just prior to before becoming a Christian. And it's funny. Maybe God's working in your life today, and you're not a Christian, but you're realising, I'm not as good as I thought I was. I'm, there's things in my life, I'm just not. Maybe Jesus is calling you to himself. And one of the first things before becoming a Christian is you realise, you're a sinner. You've done things wrong before God. And he wants to deal with that. The red light. And for those who are Christians this morning, the red light doesn't apply to you anymore, but every time you approach one, I want you to remember, that's what I was. Paul often talks about it. I was the worst of sinners. The guy who wrote some of the Bible. I, and he recalls what he used to be like. Remember, won't you? what Jesus has saved you from. Remember the things, the things you were ashamed of. Remember what God has done for you, how he saved you. Every time you see that red light, I want, I want that red light when you're stuck at one to preach the gospel to you. Okay? So we were condemned. I'll move on to my second point. Now what we are. I could have said so much more about that. What we are. You notice I put the green light up there. It's changed. Something dramatic. When you're in a car, something dramatic changes when the green light comes on, right? You put it in gear. You're moving. Whoa, thank goodness for that. We're on the move. There's a green light over you. When you come to Jesus... It dramatically changes your life. What we are now. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is now no condemnation. It's been dealt with. It's gone. Past guilt, present guilt, and future guilt. But hang on, how can Jesus have known about what I'm going to do tomorrow? He knows everything. He's God, don't you know? He has died for everything. His death on the cross deals with the guilt of your sin that you'll do tomorrow, this afternoon, next week. He's dealt with it, guys. Past, present and future. There can never, there is no possibility of condemnation for you anymore. No possibility of it. But what if I do no condemnation? But what if I know? It seems too good to be true. Can it be true that no matter what I do, God accepts me? Can that be true? Yes. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you notice, it's for those who are in Christ Jesus, who are not condemned. Being condemned, or not being condemned, is totally and de totally dependent upon your relationship to Jesus Christ. This morning, we took bread and wine, remembering that he died for us and rose again. And it's got everything to do with that. He was condemned, so you are not condemned. He was ashamed naked on the cross. You won't find many true paintings of Jesus. Even the Passion film misses the point. He was naked 
on the cross. He was ashamed on the cross. Physical suffering. So you can never be condemned. Never. Jesus' body was broken. All of the condemnation that I deserved was put on him on the cross. Therefore, I am never, ever, ever going to experience separation from God. Ever. It's been dealt with. How, how dare we say that anything we do, the, the things we do, can somehow nullify the cross? That Jesus' suffering and death can somehow be ineffective because I lost my temper? That Jesus' suffering and death is somehow ineffective because I failed to remember uh, my, my anniversary? There is no condemnation. It's been dealt with by Jesus. And it is now. It's now. Right now, today, God wants you to know there is, that he accepts you. He, he, he not only accepts you, he loves you. I'm going to talk about it later. He adopts you as his children. Today, now. You haven't got to go and sort everything out. Today. But I want to sort things out. I want to put things right. No, today. There is now no condemnation. And if you don't know this, if you're not a Christian, there's opportunity for you today to have the green light come on. You can know Jesus. You can know God. The red light gets transformed. And you can go and know God through Jesus. No condemnation now. No possibility of condemnation. The word is justification. And if you think about that word, justification, it comes from the word justice. Justice has been done. I was guilty. I I was guilty. We're all guilty. Before God, we're guilty. We're going to be judged by God. Justice needs to be done. But Jesus on the cross, he is punished for my sin. Therefore, justice has been carried out. I am justified. Say the word justified. Justified. Justified is the word. That's what you are, guys. Justification. It's a fact, not based upon feelings. I need three people. Go on, you three. Anna, Ali, Louise, come up here. There's three people. This is a very, very... uh, do you, come up, do you want to come up on the platform? Don't worry. This is something I learned when I first became a Christian. Some of you, I've, sh- I've told you this story. It will help you. There is now no condemnation. That's in God's word. That's what he says over you. You're justified if you're a Christian. So, Alid. This is like a train. There's three people, right? There are three people walking through the woods. And... Um, it's a very dark night, and, uh, and, 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 and the owls, <laughs> twigs snapping. It's dark. And you start to think, what's that noise behind me? And Alid's at front, the front here. Now, Alid knows the way. He is Mr. Facts. Okay, Mr. Facts. He knows the way. Hold your map up, Alid. He's got his map. He's Mr. Facts. And then we have Mrs. Faith here. Okay? Mrs. Faith is going to follow Mr. Facts. Put your, put your hand on his shoulder. Okay? You're going to follow him, right? That's your faith. Faith in the facts. And then we've got Mrs. Feelings. Now come back here, Mrs. Feelings. Don't fall off the stage. Although, no. Okay. Some of us wish our feelings would fall off the stage, but anyway. So we have faith, facts and feelings. They were all walking through the woods one dark night. And facts is saying, I know the way. I have the map. It is clear. I can see the path. I have a compass. He has a torchlight. He can see where he is. He hasn't got a torchlight, that would spoil it. But he can see the map. And then Miss Faith, Mrs. Faith, is following, saying, OK, I'll trust you. 
I'll trust what you say, Mr. Fax. And then poor old Mrs. Feelings over here is saying, but, 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 you sure about this? It's a bit, it's a bit dark. Are you, are you sure that, 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 that this is the way? Hey, um, Fax, um, do you think we should go the other way? It looks clearer that way. What do you say? No, po- point the way, my friend, yes. And, and Mrs. Feelings carries on behind going, OK, um, uh, just about keeping up. Uh, sort of, oh, I might turn back, but I'm a bit too scared to turn back. But like, I kind of, oh, no. And, and, and they make their way through the forest. And what happens is this, that as faith, your faith, as you put your faith in facts, no condemnation, because Jesus was condemned. No condemnation. Your feelings may be lagging behind. They may be saying, oh no, um, I think I need to pray a bit more before God likes me. I think I need to attend a few more prayer meetings before God likes me. I think I need to give more money before God likes me. I think I need to, I don't know, do some more, deliver some more Saviour King flyers before God likes me. And the truth of the matter is, God loves you. That is the fact. God demonstrated his love for you by dying on the cross. Now, you may not feel very excited about that. You may not feel very happy about that or very, I don't know, ecstatic about that at the present moment. But as you put your faith in him, as you, as you begin to think, oh, thank you, that this is true, that there is no condemnation for me now, my guilt is dealt with, your feelings will catch up and you'll become a really happy person. <laughs> okay? Thank you, my, my little <laughs> actors. Our feelings go up and down, depending on all sorts of things, particularly when you mess up. Now, welcome to this church. You know, you may... We, we, are, we are quite... We want to be real with you, okay? I want to be real with you. When you lust, you look at someone and you look longer than you should have. Being tempted is okay. Everyone's tempted. And God has made men and women to be attracted to each other. You can be attracted to someone without sinning. Just like you can be attracted to the chocolate pudding without eating it. But you eat that chocolate pudding, you've eaten the chocolate pudding. There's a whole world of difference between wanting the chocolate or think or feeling you'd like the chocolate pudding and eating the chocolate. We know that, don't we? Oh yes, we do. And over Christmas, you'll know that. All right? As your stomach grows, you'll know there's a whole world of difference between thinking you might like a chocolate pudding and eating the chocolate pudding. And that's true of lust. We can be attracted to someone. We can appreciate them. But when you start meditating upon them, med- and if you're a visitor here, forgive me here, this is, this is real, right? When you start meditating on them, naked, in your mind, and thinking what you'd like to do with them, if you could, you've stepped over a whole new line, and it's called lust. And we all struggle with that, guys, and women do as well. When you do, there's going to be this whole realm of, I am condemned. God doesn't love me anymore. Feelings. Feelings are going to tell you you're going the wrong way. I'm not pretending it doesn't matter. It matters, right, if if we sin or don't. We don't sin, okay? It matters. And I'm going to talk about that next time. But it doesn't change the fact that you're a child of God. No more than when my son messes up or my daughter messes up, it changes my love for them. It doesn't change my love for them one iota. Okay? And some of you, because of your relationships at home when you were growing up, can often, often equate your feelings with maybe you, you feel that God's going to condemn you because your own parents condemned you. You grew up with a sense of condemnation. God's not like that. God's not like that. Those who grow up in a, ho- a healthy household, which, which mine wasn't, know what it is to be loved 
and disciplined and accepted at the same time. Okay? We can be loved, but we make mistakes and we're still loved. It doesn't change our acceptance by God. But some of us, because of our backgrounds, really struggle with that idea. We think that when someone is displeased with us, it means rejection. It doesn't. Sometimes when people are displeased with you, it's because they love you. They so love you. You know that? I, I, so love, I so love my children. I so love many of you. That's why I talk to you. That's why I love you. That's why I pastor you. It's not rejection. And that's true of God. He doesn't reject you when you make mistakes. What about masturbation then? Did he say the word? 11 to 14s are out this morning. Children are out in their children's works. We're all adults here. You know what I'm talking about. If you want me to explain it to you, go to Paul afterwards. Oh, Mr. Feelings is going to come on you then, isn't he? Oh, Mr. Feelings or Mrs. Feelings is going to come up to you then. Call yourself a Christian. You're a son of God. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You want you to know that, right? Nothing you do can change the fact that Jesus was condemned in your place. Nothing. And some of you think, but hang on, if you preach this, Matt, people are going to get up to all sorts. They're going to be swinging from the chandeliers with a, I don't know, (laughs) doing, you know, up to all sorts. Oh, no, they won't. Oh, no, they won't. That's not true at all. Do you know what I did? I went to to a synagogue on uh, Friday... This is part of my training, by the way. It's not something I regularly do on a Friday. <coughs> we went to, on, as part of my um, theological studies, I went to a, a synagogue and we spoke to some Jews, Orthodox Jews, talking about what they believe, why they do what they do, showing us around the synagogue, what this part means, what that part means, part of the service, what does that service mean, etc., etc. And they have an awful lot of rules. Oh, it's incredible. The Sabbath. They talk about the Sabbath being like, and this is their words, like a bride coming on a Friday night. And they welcome the bride. And it's now Sabbath. And that, what that means is rest, it's rest day, right? And for a Jew, um, um, the day starts in the evening. So it starts on Friday night. And um, she, this, one of the ladies was speaking to me about how um, they can't cook on a, on, on, a, on a Sabbath, so they have to use a slow cooker. And they can't turn uh, lights on or DVD players, so they use timer switches. And, and it's like, well, it doesn't actually affect anything, does it? It just means you've got technology that deals with it. That's what you do. You get around it somehow. And one of the ways, oh, yeah, well, she said, our fuse went. So the lights went off. So I had to replace the fuse. Um, I don't know how that doesn't fit in, but it didn't. And she said, um, but obviously I can't turn lights on, so I use my nose. Oh, yes. (coughs) I tell you what, you may think me giving you a list of rules is going to make you better, but nothing's going to change you like Jesus. When the Spirit of God lives in you, and you are born again, and you're a new creature, I tell you, that changes you. Oh, yeah. You don't turn the lights on with your nose. By the way, if you're visiting today, we do have lights and everything in this church. But you're changed in the heart. And that's really where transformation happens. So it's a fact. Not based on our feelings, not based on our behaviour. We are justified. Justified. We are no longer condemned. And we need to talk to ourselves about this. 
We need to speak to ourselves daily. Whenever that sense of condemnation that God doesn't love you, maybe you've lost your job and you're saying, God doesn't love me, or you're thinking it deep down, you are not condemned. Maybe you're in sickness. God doesn't love me. He seems to have healed that person. We had some wonderful stories recently, didn't we, about God healing people. You think, does God love me? No longer condemned, my friends. Nothing, we read at the end of that, will separate you from the love of God. Trouble, hardship, danger, nakedness, danger, sword, demons, height nor depth, nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So speak to yourself every day, reminding yourself. Or, as you approach those traffic lights, and it's a green light, remember, God has accepted you. You can enter, you can go through, you can draw near to God now because of Jesus. As you see that red light, remind yourself, once I was condemned. Once I, couldn't, I didn't know God, I was, I was stopped from knowing God. Now that's been removed. And my final thing, and this is really just to close, God is working for our good. My friends, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for you, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give you all things, all things, everything you need, he is loving. He is good. He who gave the best thing is definitely going to give you the lesser thing. He who gave you the best thing is definitely going to give you the lesser thing. Don't dither. You know, it's an, it's an amber light. It should be up there. Don't dither. Don't dither. Can I go? Is God accepting me? Isn't he accepting me? Don't dither. No condemnation. Just put the final slide on, please, um, Joe. Going on. That's it. You are not condemned. You are loved by God. You are secure. He who began a work in you will bring it to completion. Come hell or high water. He's never going to let you go. He loves you guys. And that's what I want to end with today, is letting you know that. I want you to go from here, whatever mood you're in, whatever situation you're in, there is no condemnation for you if you are in Christ Jesus. Now, if you don't know you're in, come and speak to me, or speak to Paul, as he said earlier. Other than that, I'm going to finish there. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.